Welcome to today's episode on Life in the Front Office. I'm your host, Jay Kirschman, and this is a, another episode as a part of the USF uh, Vinick Sport and Entertainment Management Series, uh, the Sports Biz Building the Next Gen Series. Uh, I am joined today by Derek Watford, co-founder of High Point Gamer, and is also associated with, as a member of the uh, TAG, which is this Tampa Association of Gaming. And Hopefully I got all that right, but I'm going to talk to Derek, uh, Derek today about esports, kind of building your brand, um, you know, and ultimately uh, content. Content is king, right? And um, we're gonna we're gonna dive into that over the next 25, 30 minutes. And Derek, welcome to the podcast. Hey, thank you for having me on. I definitely appreciate it. Yeah, you're so doing, you're doing well during the pandemic. <laughs> yeah, we're, you know, we're, we're uh, you know, I think in in light of all of that, right, you know, we, we think about how we can all uh, either self reflect or, you know, just get better uh, each day as a, as a person and as a professional. And part of it is is the brand that you put out there, right. And ultimately, um, what you represent, whether it's on your LinkedIn, whether it's on your social media channels, uh, it's all across the board. So give us a quick run through of, of your story and um, kind of how you've you know built your brand over time and, and got to where you are now. So uh, I'm a military veteran, Army, um, disabled veteran. When, and when I got out of the military, uh, I was a graphics and multimedia specialist within the military. And when I got out of the military, it was like, well, what do I do? Like, what? what can I go and be? I didn't know anything about the corporate world really from a structure or how things ran. I just knew that, Hey, I know how to do graphics. Let me go find a graphics place to be. And so uh, I joined a club called add to Tampa Bay here in the area, which is a, was a local, like a marketing ad agency type people type club. Uh, and I met a, some good relationships within that, that, put me on to working at a software company where I was a creative director. So I was in the corporate world on the tech side, unbeknownst to me, you know, like I didn't even really understand tech before uh, getting into the corporate world, but working at a software company, I was doing graphics for them. And, and that process of all the things that I learned about business, learned about marketing, learned about uh, graphic design, and which we, at that time was really early on content creation, really, now that I think about it. Um, just how to use the programs and apps. I got into photography, became opened up my own photography studio uh, where I combined photography now with my graphic design and web design skills. and uh, Kind of had this holistic approach to actual brand building, started working with some top influencers online and building their brand during that time. Social media was fresh and new. Um, opened up my own photography studio, got into UX UI design as a, you know, because most of that stuff back then, early development, to make a software look good, like the, the coders don't know how to do that. They just know how ones and zeros and how to make it work. So what person are you gonna go to? You're gonna go to the graphics guy. So a lot of, uh, especially my generation of graphics guys started turning over to becoming uh, UX UI designers, designing apps and software. So I was in that world and managing developers in the interior design world. And I was still gaming at the time. Like I was come home at night, gang with, wife and two kids and uh, that was kind of my way of unwinding or relaxing and competing. I was competing in SOCOM, competing in Overwatch, competing in Call of Duty. 
Uh, but I never thought about it from an industry standpoint. It was always like, okay, this is something I get to do because I do well in my professional life, my uh, love life, my dad life, or whatever. And then I had a partner named Dion Wren. We got together. We was like, what can we do for the kids in the community? Uh, what can like, there's nothing for teens to do. Like, you can't if they don't have a job. They're too big for those boys and girls clubs because they're too cool to do that type of stuff. So they're really just running around either chasing sex or drugs or, or other type of mischief that teenagers get into. But what's the way to give them something to do? How about tournaments? Let's put on tournaments in the area. So we started putting on Madden and 2K tournaments and quickly realized that um, this was a thing when we had people coming from California or from D.C. to enter in a tournament. And as I did more research, I was like, like this yeah, this is a thing. This is a is an industry behind this, and it's called esports. You know, like it's uh, we're not as pioneering as we think of holding on these events. So, um, doing that, I said, you know what? I want to create a brand or a company that's in that space because not only did I recognize what it was doing in the community for uh, from a teenager standpoint, but I also recognized there's this large community of people that we call gamers. And what is our stigma? If you were to look at uh, old cartoons or any depiction of or old school memes of a gamer, is some fat guy in a basement that's dark somewhere with a, a shirt that's little with his belly button out and he's eating some Fritos and, and caffeine drinks stuff and then while his mom is yelling down the stairs at him. Like that was the depiction of what a gamer was. But really, it was more than that. Because of technology, gaming had evolved so much where now I can play online against other people that don't live in my community, play online with people that I don't even know what they look like from other places. And so if I'm uh, disabled, if I'm shy, if I'm not cool because you know I don't have the, the latest clothes because my parents don't care about that type of thing, so they're not paying $100 uh, for a pair of sneakers for me to go to school with. So I got these regular vans that look rusty that gets me teased at school so then my self-confidence at school is a little lower because i know i don't have the things that everyone else is respecting at school so what i'm gonna do i'll probably get on some video games and, and here i am uh i'm i'm six five six eight and i can do combos like as, <laughs> as quick as the man can think of right and, and i'm top ranking and, I, and i'm winning and and now i'm meeting people of like mind like skills online that i'm talking to and conversing with and i feel like i have friendships like yeah that's where i'm gonna go i'm not gonna be uh, around the group of people that don't find me valuable because they're only judging me by some outward thing that I don't have control of because I'm just a kid. Like I'm, I'm at my parents' mercy by what they're doing or not doing for me uh, in that world. And so then I realized that because there's a large community of uh, people like that, this type of thing, esports, needs to be pioneered, championed, and, and made to be a success to give those people the opportunity to shine in a light that betters their mental health, betters their self-confidence, betters their social skills, uh, gives them a chance to feel like they've contributed or showed what they're good at to the rest of the world, which benefits us all, you know? Like, I don't know what your high school life was like, but I know high school was, um, you had the cool people, which were, now that I think about it, the cool people were the jocks and the rich kids, or the kids that had the nice stuff for the most part. And everybody else was like, if you weren't too ugly or, you weren't too poor or, or too, like you kind of were okay, but if you fell in, fell in any other category, you weren't the cool category. So like, let me build a brand, High Point Gamer. Let's go hard at it. Let's do the put on tournaments, but also let's help brands, organizations, and gamers 
be successful at the space so that the space is successful so that more kids, more veterans, disabled kids have an opportunity um, to participate in some way. You know? Mental health is real. <laughs> Yeah, no, that's that's a great point. I, th I think when you bring up the community aspect of esports, not a lot of people think about that, right? When they when they th when they think about esports or they think about gaming, you know, to your point, the first thought is, you know, how many hours are they spending with the controller and the TV screen and and in self isolation, right? And um, when you talk about the community piece of it, it's it's really interesting in that, you know, look, sports uh, as we see it you know, in the past, present, and future, um, they, you know, if it's a team, right, in, in X city, they are a part of that community, and their brand is a part of that community. So, you know, and, and that means something to a lot of people, right, whether they're from New York, and then they move to California, they're potentially still going to be a Yankees fan, or a Mets fan, or a Giants fan, or whatever it is, uh, and they're holding right. on to that as kind of a piece of their community, as this gaming world has evolved and the industry has evolved from a community aspect, and, and we'll get into kind of your own brand, but from a community aspect, how have brands been built up in that sense? And how have brands been built up in the industry such as yours, uh, where it's kind of, you know, like you said, it, it existed, but it wasn't this massive thing that, you know, the NFL is today or, or anything of that extent. <sighs> So when I think of brands within the space, when I think of early on successful brands, uh, FaZe Clan is one of the ones that immediately comes to mind when I think of it. If you were in a game, gamer world, they were early on YouTube where you go and watch them crazy snipe videos from Call of Duty. It would probably come from someone from FaZe Clan or, or something like that. And you're like, oh, oh, oh Echo Fox. And, and to you or to gamers, it was almost like it was a special group only because they were the ones that were, that was willing to game, but then also put time into the content creation to show other people that uh, we game. So therefore everyone thinks we're the best because we're the ones putting out the content. Um, and I think as a gamer in that community where you're reading, uh, read it. Uh, articles and, and, you're re and you're meeting in GeoCity chats to schedule tournaments back before there was really platforms to do that in. Um, that was the beginning of creating the community and the, and the brands. And so those brands that were already early on during that phase of, uh, that we recognize as gamers, they immediately came out as being the top brands when esports and gaming industry became a thing that everyone recognized because they had already put in the work. They had already put in the work of trial and error of understanding, like what does it take to put out content all the time? Okay, we need a video guy. We got a graphics guy that's dedicated to this. Okay, we need somebody that's witty on the camera. We need to go ahead and stream. Every new thing that comes out in the gaming world, we need to try it and test it to see, okay, what's caffeine? Oh, what is Mixer? Oh, what is Twitch? Let's get on this and, and be a part of it and then have a voice in each of those worlds. And because we're in beginning, beginning, are new at it everyone that joins that world is like oh see these guys are over here too oh they're over here too they are they are the industry like they're the shit so um again when it hits the fan and it becomes popular those those brands and those individuals in the gaming community automatically shot to the top and then everyone else from a brand structure is trying to uh, catch up to that as you were in the tech world and then now kind of in the gaming space uh what can the rest of the sports landscape learn from 
the brand and the content piece uh, in which the esports world is kind of, um, again, to your point, trying something new, right? Figuring out different ways to engage people. What are, what are some things that the rest of the industry can learn from the esports space? And then uh, also, you know, you mentioned kind of the, the gamer profiles, right? And, and building up that from a player perspective. And what can we learn from some of the gamers who are building up those brands from themselves? And how can we as professionals or, or just our personal brand learn from those people as well? So I'll do, let's learn from the other people first. So if you, if you think of traditional sports and you were to compare them to esports, the first thing you would think is, oh, traditional sports is better. Like the organization behind traditional sports, they're way light years ahead of what esports is doing. And so esports has to catch up to traditional sports and do it the way traditional sports is doing it. Because we all have been market, marketed to for over 20 years of how great sports, NFL, basketball, all those things are, right? But in reality, what goes against traditional sports is that they've done it and they've been the leader all of this time that they really think that the way that they're doing it has no flaws or is the right way to do it. So then they judge everything based on that. And I'll give an example from a content creation standpoint. Like old school, uh, when you get a computer and graphic design first came out, that speed sped up the content creation of graphic design, but the process of graphic design was okay, we have a meeting, we got a creative brief, we get with the copywriter, we get with the marketing director, and then we get with the graphics person, we get together, we produce a concept, we put it out, it gets edited, uh, critiqued. Okay, now the final piece goes out, it goes to print, it goes to press, and then now it has a, a distribution schedule. That's a long span from a, a, in a content creation cycle when you bring it down to now where social media is at. And because of esports using uh, digital means to put out content anyways, it didn't follow that long process of content creation that traditional sports had. So traditional sports, uh, they recently just started getting to where, okay, we're on Snapchat, we're on Twitter, we're on Instagram, we're on Facebook with things, and we're putting out little snippets and try Because they had to create the process around it because they were still thinking of, no, we have campaigns and campaigns run four weeks and we put the content out and it goes and we get to kind of chill and work on the next thing that then goes out by the time that's done and then we evaluate not knowing that no in order to survive in the digital world now you have to say hey you got to strategize but content we have so much content we're sports you've got clips for days we can do audio clips we can do video clips we can do snippets we can do the top five we can like it's enough content to put out to really dominate and that's what esports knew that hey we have to do this because we don't have the fanfare of other media to make us look exciting and plus our audience is mentally programmed on an add level to be like hey what's next what's next They're like hey that i know phase clan you won that game last week but it's a new <laughs> week what are you doing what's going on and because of that audience um esports has been real good at putting out content and that's one of the areas that I feel like traditional sports can learn from is, is, is they're getting there. They're getting there now, but it took them a while to get there, especially they had, they've always had the money. They have always had the content. So, and from, and from the, we'll call it the athlete side, right? The mm -hmm. performer side, um, what can we learn from those that are, you know, they have millions of followers or they've got endorsement deals in different ways or, you know, humongous fan bases that watch them. 
what can what can those in our space from an industry perspective learn from the you know maybe some best practices on on the esports content side so uh, one of my main things for those that enter into gaming whether you're going for a pro level is to recognize that once you cross pro or once you decide that you want to make money off of what you're doing and relates to gaming you are no longer a gamer. You are a business at that point. You are an entrepreneur. So you need to change your hat from thinking, oh, I want to have the most headshots and be the best of the headshots. Like, yeah, you got to get the headshots. But also, you need to be posting how many headshots you had this week. You need to keep up with your social media and engage so that you can have fans, so that gives you an audience, so that you can push merch to, that you can push content to, that can support you at these events, so that you can get bookings. Even if you're not the best player to go to tournaments, you're still allowed to generate revenue from books, from interviews, from uh, uh, like release deals, custom skins, etc. Um, because the turnover rate in esports is a lot higher than traditional sports. Because traditional sports, you know, you I could be a basketball player, and I, if I don't get hurt, I could probably could do six years, eight if I'm really good. NFL, I could hopefully do four or, or five if if I'm, everything is okay. Esports. Is there, is there a backup some... quarterback? Can can you be a backup <laughs> quarterback in, in, in the esports world? It's like no. We haven't even built the structure around that. So every team is is costs so much, there isn't room for extras to see. Like, it, it costs a lot for me to put you on a plane to go to California to battle against this team at League of Legends that I can't have a roster of 12 doing that every week because I'm flying you guys out every week. It's, it's killing my pockets as is with housing you guys and all that, feeding you. and um, So, so that's definitely one thing esports game uh, gamers need to recognize is that they're, uh, they're entrepreneurs post content regularly and realize their brand outside of the brand of the team that they're on. Those would be my top three. Yeah. So you, you mentioned the brand, you know, beyond, mm -hmm. beyond the team, beyond the organization. Right. So if yes. you are, whether you're an entrepreneur or not, right. You ultimately have your own business. Everyone has their own business and they work, you know, some might have different jobs than others. Some might have five jobs. Some might just have one, right? But at the end of the day, right. you, you run your own business. So from a brand perspective, whether it's, you know, moving up the ladder at an organization, right? You're building your brand there, uh, brand equity. Uh, you're going from place to place. So now you've got a lot of different experiences or diversity ex of experience. Um, you know, maybe someone like yourself where you came from the military to tech to, to the esports, uh, you know, sports industry, now you've got um, you know a lot of different uh, skill sets, values, perspectives, right? From from different areas of the world in which some others don't. So as you think about the you know building your personal and your, your professional entrepreneurial business, right, and brand, what are the you know a couple things that come to mind that we all should focus on? Uh, as you know, it's not just a snap your fingers tomorrow. I've got this amazing brand. It's it's a you know, to your point, a process uh, over time. Yes. So because I'm from the generation that didn't have uh, social media and things first, like I, I did the real deal, just a resume and maybe a handshake of who you know that could call someone. But for, for the most part, you had to get everything on your own for your own type marriage, your own interview. And what I, what I did struggle with professionally when it came to brand building and 
along with content creation for myself was that recognizing that things like LinkedIn or Facebook or Instagram or Twitter could be used to my professional brand building, meaning that, you know, I, I was a type of like, oh, I'm not getting on Twitter. You know, I have to go to work and I'm, that's, I'm not on Facebook during the day. Like that's, that's, that's a waste of time. I have real work to do. And so therefore, I didn't jump on the band of using those things to those benefits until later on. And even when I did, I struggled with recognizing I know so much. I know so many different type of people. I do so many different type of things. What the hell do I talk about? What direction do I brand myself in? Like, I'm, okay, I'm a, I have a, a photography studio with a, a rap um, music studio upstairs that I, I man for the kids in the neighborhood on the weekend. And, uh, well, that doesn't really fit with corporate uh, software developer guy. Like, I don't, you know, like the audience is a different audience that would care about that. So, you have, can you have multiple brands? So I did that. I did the multiple brands thing where I like, okay, I have, a, I have an Instagram for this uh, face of mine. I have an Instagram for this face of mine. And then I got to the point where it was like, each audience didn't know that I had skills or relationships or authority in any other area other than the area that they knew me in so like my software you know, you mentor the kids like oh you're a better like i didn't know all these things about you so i said you know i just need to commit to one and realize that they're all part of my journey as a professional it isn't about fitting inside this box of oh you're this label and so therefore you have to operate like this like no i'm Derek, and my professional journey and brand building um allows me to know how to do photography, to know about negotiating, um, to know about how to disarm a, a M16 in, in five seconds or whatever, you know, like it's, it's, it's all of that. And that's what makes me valuable or more valuable in a professional setting when I'm giving my input. Yeah, no, that makes sense. And, and when you talk about how you did the multiple brand thing and now you're under one brand, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. What was, the, what was the biggest shift from a mindset perspective in terms of your audience knowing, hey, you do have this and you have this and you have this, right? Uh, right. And knowing that you're a five, we'll call it a five tool player. Right? <laughs> um, because if, if, if I'm honest, it became mentally overwhelming uh, because as social media grew, people that you would now meet hand, handshake at a conference want to know how can I connect with you online and then you're sitting there like okay what let's see let me give you my photography Instagram or or well no because you might I know you have a brand and you might see the value of photography but you also could use that use an app so let me uh, give you my code inside and I was like you know this is too much uh, for me to keep up with um, and again let me make this shift to make it easier for myself and then also let me make this shift uh, to also add more value and be more confident in the different facets of me, you know, because it was the problem was I saw one as had more value than the other. That would be the problem. Like, oh, well, the developer is more important when you walk in a room and say you're a developer than a photography guy. Well, over here, the photography guy is cooler than, okay, no, just, just pick one day. Just be yourself. <laughs> just be yourself. I, I love it. I mean, it, it's, yeah. you know, I think in the content world, the brand world, everyone overcomplicates things, right? At the end of the day, you know, I, I love the the kiss, right? Keep it simple, stupid, right? It's right. just, it's, it's understand who you are, what you represent, and just put stuff out there from a content perspective that's authentic and unique to you. And 
to your point, you know, early, way, way earlier in the episode of like figuring out what's engaging and what's not. Okay, well, maybe there's some things that you lead, you know, you kind of lean towards because they're more engaging than others. Um, right. As you think about those who are really young in their career or they're in college right now trying to figure out what their brand is, because to your point about the social media, it's, it, it's almost uh, rare if someone like myself who doesn't have a lot of social media presence other than just LinkedIn, right? So everyone's kind of figuring out a way in which they're building it, not only personally, but professionally as well. And when you kind of put all that together to your point, it can be, well, it can be certainly overwhelming. Right. And right. I mean, do you give, do you give advice on, Hey, just pick one, start with one and then maybe go to another platform and then maybe another, cause you have to, the content's got to be consistent. Right. A couple of years ago, yes, it would have to be consistent. Now it's not because audience have found their place that they like to be. You have Facebook people that like to be on Facebook and they, they might come over to and visit Instagram every now and then, but they like to be on Facebook. And I think that allows you to be inconsistent in the content, but still need to be consistent in the delivery of it, if that makes sense. Meaning that, okay, the, my, the people that I have on my Facebook uh, probably like this or, or more in tune to this than to this. So I I don't need to say, okay, I posted on Instagram and make sure I posted on Facebook. Let me make sure I posted on Twitter. Mm, I wouldn't say so. Not especially not from a personal brand standpoint. Maybe from a business brand standpoint, yes, it works like that. But from a personal brand, no. I definitely think you could try your hand at each one to see where you comfortable at posting. You know, some people are comfortable in LinkedIn. They like that environment more so than they like Instagram because their thoughts are more intriguing than the pictures of their life or the pictures that they can put with their thoughts. So let me stay over here in LinkedIn and Twitter world because my words are going to shine more so than my pictures. And then some people's lives are better in pictures than they are words, you know. Super, superficial sometimes, right, in that sense. Yeah. but. You know, it's, it, when, when you put all the media stuff aside, right, Con look, mm -hmm. content's king, it's, you know, brands are important, but if you put all that aside, uh, how do you focus on building a brand yourself, personally, professionally, outside of the media space? There's no such thing, um, I, 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 kind of, and, and the reason why I say that is because with the popularity of social media and now with the social distancing, no one has a way of knowing what you're doing if you're not posting about it almost. And even if they believe you that you're out here really in the community working and giving back to kids or, or you're taking this night school class, there's a hundred other people that are doing that too. And they're talking about doing it. So I know that they're doing it versus trying to figure out, are you doing something else other than what you're saying online? I know your last time you posted was a month ago when you were talking about a big deal at hand and that, like, did the deal fall through? Are you like, like, yeah, I'm busy. Like I'm busy working on the deal. That's why I'm not posting. You know, I'm going out of my mind, but no, uh, I definitely don't think it's possible without the media, but I do know there's still value in handshaking and getting out there and really doing it. And there's brand building in that because especially from a generational standpoint, the older generations, they want to see your face. They want to see, your mannerisms, how you sit and talk and how you treat other people around you and stuff to, to gauge whether they want to do business or, or have you within their personal uh, uh, professional brand. 
Yeah, so. no, appreciate that insight. I think that, you know, it, it's a thought that might cross people's, you know, perspectives of do I need it? Do I not? Right. How, you know, if I'm going to have social media presence, what does it need to look like? Um, and I think that's, it's an, it's an area that's cluttered, right. For, for a lot of people of, you know, does this, is this important in my life? Is it a priority in my life? Right. In, in that sense right. as well. Um, last thing as we wrap up the episode from an esports perspective, uh, can you kind of give us your two cents in, in terms of where the industry is going, what some of the opportunities are that exist out there in terms of a career perspective and then, you know, just uh, from a skill set perspective, what is what is effective and what is valued in that in that space? Okay, uh, so my predictions for the esports industry is thanks to COVID, uh, we're gonna a lot of people realize that esports is able to survive um, despite anything else being able to survive, and when everything else shut down. Yeah, that's when you notice traditional sports athletes, celebrities doing little gaming tournaments, and, and they realize that, oh, because of the digital media of gaming, this is a viable uh, opportunity from a promotional standpoint, from an exposure standpoint to use. So we're going to see more of that. Uh, I also believe there's going to be more celebrity and pro athlete engagement into it as we're starting to see that. And I also think the industry is in for an awakening on how did COVID impact the esports audience that we've come to all about in attendance, meaning that um, with 25 million people that are being unemployed, how is that affecting people's discretionary income? We're thinking that, okay, once you break the quarantine and you say, oh, I have an esports event, it's going to be raid, ran over with people. Yeah, maybe, but also it might not be to the level that you're used to because that audience wasn't working at the bar getting the extra money or had this job that allowed them to have the discretionary income or even if they were getting it from their parents, their parents took a hit at their job because they were fur furloughed, et cetera. Um, so I think we're going to see how that impacts the esports live event industry. Um, and I think some of the skill sets that are valued out there is content creation, uh, operation, uh, and business. Um, Esports e was really based on the gamer wanting to game and have fun and how can we have a tournament and oh yeah we can have some money as part of this but it wasn't the business guy that was like hey but this shit isn't sustainable we need to have add something to this where I don't need to keep getting investors I don't need to keep relying on these sponsors to pay in order for this event to make happen how can we make this a sustainable thing that can actually uh, uh, go so that we can get these uh, benefits from it. So that mindset is going to is definitely critical within the industry, and then we're also going to see more diversity push because, as we see, esports is still a real white male generated, uh, dominated, and and it's not from because they're the only ones that want to game, but because they're the ones that hey, if, if you had a computer that you your parents were able to spend two thousand on a computer and you had a reliable internet in your house consistently where you can get online and play multiplayer. A lot of us take that for granted. It's a large community that isn't in esports because they don't have internet. Mom's not paying $100 a month for internet. She's barely uh, putting food in the refrigerator or keeping our cell phones on that's hitting her for $300, $400 a month on its own. That's the pick one. You want a cell phone or you want internet. So we're going to see a raise in, in more diversity and inclusion. But I, I'm wondering how is that going to, 
I feel like the, the COVID change because of the economic change has also hit the digital divide and it made that also increase. So um, I, I don't know, man. It's, it's certainly going to be interesting uh, yeah. to, to see how, you know, every industry evolves. Obviously, it's not just esports and and how audience and fans and uh, content is being put out there, right, from a, from a brand perspective, spending wise, and then also activating wise and who they're associating with. And uh, right. I, I think it, it all goes back to, you know, having a process, being consistent, uh, knowing, you know, who you are, what you stand for, and and ultimately uh, providing value, right? So um, Derek, can't thank you enough for joining us. Uh, really appreciate the time and being a part of the Vinix Sport and Entertainment Management uh, Sports Biz Building the Next Generation series. Uh, really appreciate it. Thank you, I appreciate it. Thanks for having me on, man.